Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. It's good to be seen for all of you joining us virtually. My name is Adam Sidler. I'm the senior pastor here. If we haven't met, I would love to do so. As a matter of fact, um, after every service, uh, I am at the family room. You can't can't miss it. Uh, you walk out of the commons, you'll see a sign on a pillar there, family room. That's where I'll be, and I would love to introduce myself to you and uh, to find out how I could be praying for you and uh, to meet you. So please take advantage of that. Speaking of which, I um, want to let you know too, and, and uh, a number of you uh, have expressed that you are going to be there, and I look forward to that. So once a month, uh, last Sunday of each month, we have a pizza with staff, and uh, it's an opportunity for anybody who's been new uh, to come and to not only meet me, but other staff members and find out a little bit more about North Haven, uh, some of what makes us tick. Um, so if you've been new, or if this is your first Sunday, and you didn't let us know that you, you, you wanted to be there, it's still not too late. So I'd love for you to, I gladly will give up my share of the pizza. Uh, so you can join us. So please uh, stick around. That's going to be right after the service at 1145, right out the tables over there. It won't last any more than an hour. Again, just a chance for uh, you to get to know a little bit more about this place that we call North Haven. And, um, and also... I um, want to take a, a, a couple moments and give some shout-outs. Uh, so you just heard from Michael. Uh, he was up here on the stage, and um, I've just been so proud of Michael over these past few months. Uh, so if you've been in the loop, you know that uh, back in December, our youth pastor of seven years uh, stepped away, got a new opportunity at a church um, south of the cities, and super excited for him, him and his family. Actually, his wife was at our house yesterday dropping off their kids. We watched their kids while they were uh, packing up because they're, they're moving. Um, but Michael stepped into this role for such a time as this. And I've just been so proud of the effort and diligence and care that he's been um, exhibiting. He is growing, and I'm just so thrilled to be able to partner with him in this journey of finding and following Jesus with our students. So if you see him, you, you just saw him, but if you see him again, please thank him. Thank him. Maybe uh, if, you, if, you, you know, if you feel comfortable doing it, give him a hug. It's funny, um, Matthew Flayton, our production director, came up earlier and um, he said, yeah, somebody just came up to me and thanked me so much for working with the students uh, this year. So um, hopefully you got a good look at Michael so you're able to actually go to the right, the right person. I also want to give a shout out to our women's ministry, um, uh, Beth Flayton, many of you know who she is, uh, and uh, she has um, uh, taken the mantle of leading our women's uh, ministry here at North Haven, and right away just uh, you know, hit the ground running. Um, raise your hand if you were at the tea event that was last Monday. We had, about, we had a little over 40 people, 40 women there, um, and I just thought my wife was there. She thought it was just fantastic. Um, I wasn't invited, whatever. Um, my daughter went because there were cupcakes, uh, you know, the important things. Um, but uh, it's just so great, so encouraging. And so this Bible study, I hope that you take advantage of that as well. All right, well, we're going to jump into our series here that we've been uh, tackling for the last couple of weeks. But before we do that, I want to have a real, um, a, a real moment um, here, if I may. Um, uh, so can we all agree that this year has been less than ideal? 
And um, one of the things that's been very difficult about this year um, has been the, um, the barrage uh, that's happened to each of us uh, as individuals in regards to our um, emotional wellness and mental health. Uh, there is a rise statistically in this nation throughout the world, but specifically in this nation in regards to uh, those that are suffering from uh, mental health issues, um, either the ones that are exacerbated now because of the pandemic or because you know, of, of the pandemic, and then emotional well-being as well, uh, or the lack thereof is on the rise. And um, I, I, what I want to do here in this moment is I want to tell you you're not alone because um, I am also struggling uh, quite a bit with my emotional well-being and my mental health. Um, I've spoken very candidly over um, uh, the last couple of years that I've been here, uh, and I've spoken many times about this as well um, uh, to other people, that this is a big issue. And this is a real issue for me. I suffer from depression and anxiety, and I have bouts of that, and some of you can relate. And, um, and maybe that's the first time you've heard a pastor say that, but pastors do suffer from that. As a matter of fact, pastoral suicide is on the rise throughout this nation. Um, and, uh, um, and there are a lot of hurting people. And for those of you that are in this room, and for those of you that are um, connecting with us virtually, um, this is a real thing. And I want you to know that you're not alone, that I completely empathize and um, want to walk with you and support you in this reality. Um, and I want to go so far as to even say, um, I believe in the power of prayer. Um, I also believe in the power of counseling and therapy. And if finances is something that would keep you from doing that, um, I, I will find a way, we will make a way to provide those resources. We have a fund that could help in that regard. All you need to do is ask. Um, so if any of you, please, please, if you need help, don't hesitate to ask. All right. Um, you know what? Let's do this. <laughs> I've said this at least uh, 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 40 times today, um, so why not make it 41? Will you repeat after me? I am loved and saved by the grace of God. I am enough. I can do hard things, and God is for me. Amen? Amen. You didn't have to say the amen part, but I appreciate that. <laughs> As I mentioned, we've been doing this series um, over the last couple of weeks, Crazy Stories from the Bible, and, and this has been such a fun experience for me. Uh, I was meeting with another pastor friend on Friday, and um, he, he said something that I absolutely loved. He said, uh, there is no greater treasure hunt than hunting for treasure in God's Word. And, and so to be able to uh, tap into these Bible stories that we've heard for years and years and years, and I've mentioned this before, that you, 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 have, uh, you, you need not to have grown up in the church to heard the story of Noah and the ark that we talked about a couple weeks ago. You need not have grown up in the church to hear about the story of David and Goliath, which we talked about last week. 
And you need not to grow in the church to, heard about, to hear about Daniel and the lion's den. Now, typically, when we are he- hearing the story of Daniel's and the, Daniel and the lion's den, maybe in Sunday school, it's, it's something to the effect of uh, Daniel was uh, taken by the government or by the king uh, because he wasn't doing what he was told, and he was thrown in the lion's den. But because of his faith, because of his resolve, because of his reliance on God, he was, he was spared the jaws of the lions, and he was able to walk out of the, the den unscathed. And, and then we, we all kind of consider it a happy ending after that, right? But there's so much more to this story of Daniel. i got to see you guys. I'm sorry. There's so much more to this story of Daniel and the lion's den. And I hope that if, if anything um, that we are tackling over the course of this series, if anything resonates with you, I hope that you can understand that this book right here, it is not just a collection of different uh, chapters or verses or, or even just stories. This here is God's love letter to you. This, this whole entire book speaks to God's relentless pursuit of you and of me. And I hope that we can see that in these stories. Speaking of which, I, I want to mention this too. We're doing baptisms. And, and I know that some of you have, have pondered it and, and thought about it. And uh, we're, we're doing baptisms. And, 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 and you and I haven't talked about this, Alyssa. Because you've been in Disney World, shame on you, over the last week. But we have a we we have a, we had a family of five that that they decided you know we're going to get baptized as a family. And okay, we had we had promoted we're gonna yeah that's totally cool, totally cool, and we had promoted that we were going to do it on Easter, uh, like baptism. And I'm still, I'm still wanting to do that, um, but, but they're not available on Easter. So you know when we're baptizing them? Good Friday. <laughs> yeah, we're going to baptize them at the Good Friday service. That's when they can be there, at the end of that service. And then, and then if we can get some other people that say that they want to get baptized, we're going to leave that tub open and we'll baptize people on, on Easter Sunday. So if, you, if that's something that you're interested in, I want you to let me know. And then we can celebrate the life that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't miss that opportunity. All right. The story of Daniel. Um, it, it's, uh, it's right there, right there in the Bible, if you want to open it up. Okay? It's uh, Old Testament. Uh, it's a short book, so you might, you might miss it if you thumb through it. So table of contents is always a good handy tool. Um, it's going to be on the screen, so no worries. But the story of Daniel, it comes as Israel was exiled in Babylon not long long after about 600 B.C. Uh, You don't need to know too much other than that that was just a long time ago. But Israel was now really an obscure people. You know, we think of Israel, we kind of, we understandably, because they're, they're so prominently figured in the Bible, but at this point in history, they were rather obscure. 
because they were subservient to their enemies. The Babylonians had taken the Israelites and basically assimilated them into themselves. And so Daniel, it tells the story of, of his unwavering faith amidst insurmountable odds. Now, what we see now and when we jump right into the first chapter of Daniel is that Daniel was handpicked. So the Babylonians, they were basically wanting to, like I said, assimilate the Israelites and make them into themselves, kind of like the Borg. You get that one? Thank you. All right. And, and, and they were going to assimilate the Israelites into, into the nation of Babylon. And so one of the things that they did is they said, we're going to take the cream of the crop. So the young men, Israeli young men, that, that are the best of the best, and we're going to train them in the Babylonian ways. So we see that in Daniel chapter 1, right away in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. This is what it says. Then the king ordered uh, the chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Now these were young men without any physical defect. They were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, so this assimilation was the goal. As I mentioned, they were going to make, take these Israelite young men, these prominent Israelite young men, and assimilate into, into Babylonian culture. But Daniel resisted this assimilation. He didn't want this for himself. And, and, and he also resisted things like the food that they offered and the drink that they offered to him. And because of Daniel's refusal to be assimilated in this way, God blessed him. And this is really important because this plays out throughout the book of Daniel. God blessed Daniel with the ability to understand visions and dreams of all different kinds. Okay, so the, this training occurs with the young, the young Israeli men. This training occurs, and, and these young men are now brought before the Babylonian king. King who? Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you. Good job. All right, but Daniel and a few others, three others in particular, stood out above the rest. Anybody know the name of the other three? Very good. Good job. So proud of you. When I was a little kid, I, listened, I had this record. Remember records? Well, actually, they're popular now, aren't they? I, I listened to this record, and there was this song that played all the time. I remember Shadrach. What kind of name is that? Meshach. Two kinds of names like that. I'll never forget it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 19, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they entered then into the king's service. Not only were they, were they better than the rest, they stood out among the other Israelite young men, but they were ten times better, it says in the Bible, than any other, not only these young, other young Israeli men, but ten times better than any of the other magicians or enchanters from the, from the actual Babylonian kingdom. So King Nebuchadnezzar sees this, and he brings them into his fold. But then he had a dream. And remember we talked about how God blessed 
Daniel with the ability to be able to interpret dreams and visions. So King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he really wanted it interpreted. So he tries first, he gathers up his enchanters, he gra- gathers up his, his sorcerers and whatnot to try to figure it out. And he gives them an ultimatum. Imagine, imagine working for the king, and this is your job, right, to do this kind of work. And you come in, and the king tells you this in Daniel chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. This, this is what I have firmly decided. That's my kingly voice. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turn into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, these enchanters, these sorcerers, these magicians being like, um, yeah, uh, we, I can't do that for you. So that's what they responded with. They said, this is impossible. We can't do that for you. And this really made the king mad. So he decided, he decided then what he was going to do is he was going to then kill all of the so-called wise people, including the, these Israeli young men, namely Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So all the Babylonian wise people and, and then all the Israel wise people, he was going to kill them all. But Daniel came to the rescue. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 16, at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time. He said, just give me time. Give me time, and I will interpret the dream for you. So Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went to their knees, and they pleaded with God to give them the interpretation of the dream, which God did. So Daniel is then brought to the king to interpret this dream, and Daniel makes a very important distinction to the king. And this is really critical. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 26 to 28, the king asked Daniel, are you able, are you, Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, he said, no. No, I'm not. Nobody can actually explain the mystery that you've asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So Daniel goes on to interpret the dream, and long story short, the king responds favorably to this interpretation, and he also also gives honor to Daniel's God, which is a huge thing. And then he gives Daniel a high position in his government. He made Daniel actually the ruler over the entire province of Babylon. And Daniel then requested, knowing that his friends helped him along the way here too, he requested that his friends be brought into uh, appointed uh, positions as well, and the king agreed. And so now we fast forward, and I know I'm skipping a bunch of parts including the fiery furnace, which is a really cool story too. 
We fast forward in the story and we find the king facing a spiritual crisis, King Nebuchadnezzar, in his desperate time of need. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 37, this is what he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. So we fast forward a little bit more. Nebuchadnezzar dies. His son comes in. His son is, is not as keen on Daniel, nor is he as keen on God as his father was. But now we're going to fast forward even more. We're going to get to another king, King Darius. King Darius. Now Darius also recognized Daniel's value. He recognized that Daniel stood above the rest, just like King Nebuchadnezzar did. And he also appointed Daniel into a high position, but he appointed him along with two other people as administrators that would oversee the entire kingdom. He had a a different kind of governmental system in store. And so there are three of these administrators. But Daniel's success was so great and, and, and he stood out above the rest so much so that Darius was planning then on actually putting Daniel in charge of everybody. Now you can imagine, this did not go well with the other administrators, nor with the other officials who saw Daniel getting all this favoritism. And so what did they do? They tried then to find some sort of scandal that they could pin Daniel on. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because Daniel was trustworthy and he was neither corrupt nor negligent. So finally, these men, these administrators, they said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Why was that important? Why was it important? Why was it important that they recognized that the only way that they could trap Daniel, they could get Daniel, they could pin something on him, was whether it was something to do with his God? Well, we'll get to that here in a second. Because here's the plan that they came up with. They went to King Darius, and they said, hey, you know what, we just randomly been thinking, you know, no agenda whatsoever, but we were thinking... You know, it might be a good idea to establish a decree. You know, we haven't done a decree in a while. Let's, let's do this decree. And, and again, this is just what, what, it's what, five minutes old? Yeah, five minutes old. Uh, let's say no one for 30 days can pray to any other god, any other idol, No one for 30 days can pray to any other person except to you, King Darius. 
You're the only one that anybody for 30 days, for the next 30 days, you're the only one that a person can pray to. And, and, and oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just coming up with this at the top of my head. You know, let's say if they break that decree, we th- throw them in the lion's den. And King Darius is like, you know, well, mm, hmm. I could use some good publicity these days, you know. Yeah, okay, sure, why not? 30 A's, you know, that'll come and go. Yeah, let's do it. And so now these administrators, they got Daniel. And why do they got Daniel? Why is it that they know they have him pinned? Because Daniel is faithful in his relationship with God. And Daniel had already exhibited a rhythm in his life where he prayed three times every single day to God. He would get on his knees inside his dwelling and he would pray to God three times a day. And the administrators knew this. Daniel didn't do this in secret. They were setting Daniel up. And so what happened, obviously, these administrators, after this decree had been put into effect, they witnessed Daniel breaking the decree. And so they reported Daniel to the king. They go to King Darius, and they're like, hey, um, you know uh, this decree that that we just did? Um, We just saw someone breaking that just, just like a few minutes ago. And King Darius is like, What? No one breaks decrees. Who? Who did this? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 12, they say, Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any good or human being, any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king responded, Yeah, that's what I said. Then the administrators told him that they caught Daniel, the king's most trusted servant. They caught Daniel breaking this decree by praying to God. And you know what? The king was mortified. Mortified. (laughs) This is Daniel. Daniel stood stood on above the rest. He was the king's main guy. And there was no way he could get out of this. He tried. He tried. But the administrators were like, King, once a decree is issued, it cannot be changed. That's the way it's always been. You're not going to be the first king, are you? To back out of a decree? The king had no choice. So he took Daniel, he took Daniel to the lion's den. And he got ready to place him into the lion's den, surely, reluctantly. But before he did this, he went up to Daniel in verse 16 of chapter 6, and this is what he says to Daniel. May your God, whom you serve continuously, rescue you. Daniel was placed inside the lion's den, and he was sealed with a stone inside the den And the king then sealed the stone with his ring, which was customary. 
so that no one would be tempted to let Daniel out. If anybody, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or anybody else that sought to release Daniel, they would see the king's seal and they would surely not mess with it. And the king went back home, unable to sleep the rest of the night. And the next morning, the king rushes out of bed, rushes out to the lion's den, and he yells on the other side of the stone, Are you okay? Was your God able to save you? And then from behind the stone, the king hears, Just kidding. In verse 21, Daniel is heard saying, May the king live forever. My God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Well, the story ends well for Daniel, but it does not end well for some others. The administrators that tried to frame Daniel were instead thrown into the lion's den, and they were immediately crushed and devoured. And this is where the story is going to take a turn, because this is usually where the story ends. When we're taught the story in Sunday school or when it's preached from a stage, this is typically where the story is done. But I want to take a turn here because I think that this story needs a new title. Instead of Daniel and the lion's den, I want to suggest that the title for this story should be Jesus and the lion's den. Let me explain. The administrators, as I mentioned, were trying to set Daniel up. In Mark chapter 14, verse 55, in the New Testament, it says that the chief priests and the soul and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. Interesting. In the story that we described, Daniel was innocent. He was innocent. And the king could not, nor did he want to find any fault in him. And we see in Luke chapter 23, verse 4, then Pilate in the New Testament announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against Jesus. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den and a stone is rolled to encapsulate him in the den and then a ring is used to seal him inside. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 59 through 60, Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Jesus, wrapped it in clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of rock and he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. And then in verse 66, 
the Roman officials went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. But here's the most important one. Daniel is saved from death from the mouths of the lions. Yes, yes, that's true. But something, something remarkable happens after Daniel is rescued. After he leaves the tomb, see what I did there? After he leaves the lion's den, after Daniel's salvation, it brings about the abolishment of that decree that King Darius had set up before. King Darius had set up this decree, and you remember how no decree could be altered? No decree could be changed? You know, after Daniel's salvation, after he left the den and he was saved by God, something incredible happens in Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, because this is what King Darius does. He wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. And this is what he says. He says, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree. He's eradicating the previous one. No decree could ever be altered, but now he's doing this. He's saying, I issue a new decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves and he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions when Jesus was crucified on the cross he was sealed in a tomb much like Daniel But he, he left that tomb alive. He rose from the dead having defeated death. And then something incredible happens for you and me because there was a decree that was issued prior to that that demanded that our sin bring deserved death and separation from God. That was the penalty of our sin. That was the, the, the penalty of our reality. But when Jesus was rescued from death, when he defeated death, when he defeated sin, it completely eradicated that decree. And in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, Paul tells us this, when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive with Christ He forgave us all of our sins. He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. And he has taken it away and nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. And he had triumph because of the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection, it broke the power of death. 
And in Him we have life. That's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Or should I say, Jesus in the lion's den. That, no, that is the story of Jesus and the grave. Because sin is no more. Death is no more.